Stephen, and you are our audience. <laughs> and you are Robert. Oh, yeah, that's me. Hey, I introduced myself. Yeah. <laughs> Obra! Paul's still Obra. stuck on episode three. I'm so stuck on episode three. Obra. <laughs> I'm Paul. <laughs> it's a good one to be stuck on. And if you've been following G.I. Joburg in recent events, you'd know that we're doing somewhat of a tribute show. G.I. Joe has a lot of milestones. We've got 25th anniversary being thrown at us, 30th anniversary thrown at us, 50th anniversary being thrown at us, and this week marks an anniversary of its very own. It is the 30th anniversary of the second G.I. Joe miniseries, The Revenge of Cobra. And in this episode, we're looking at the fourth installment of the miniseries, entitled, and this is a cool one, Battle on the roof of the world. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. And well, as always, to kick things off, we're going to consult Wikipedia for their expert summary of the plot. <laughs> on the island of no return, spirit saves Storm Shadow from drowning while escaping from an underground river. In return for his heroism, Storm Shadow allows spirit to keep the fragment. Flint, Lady J, Snowjob, Spirit, Gung-Ho, and Shipwreck head to the North Pole to retrieve the third fragment, the Laser Core, and are opposed by Destro and Zartan. But Zartan finds the third fragment, and he blackmails the Joes and Cobras that the final fragment will belong to the highest bidder. Dun-dun-dun! Now you know. So, opening thoughts on Episode 4. Love the title. <laughs> I'm not it's... sure it lives up to the title, personally. It totally doesn't. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, it's more like a ice hockey on the roof of the world. But anyway, ice hockey... getting ahead of myself. <laughs> ice hockey slash curling. Because we all know exactly <laughs> how exciting curling can be. Well, it's... But yes, yeah. we're getting ahead of ourselves, aren't we? Well, it's, it's yeah. battle on the roof of the world at the end of the episode. <laughs> but... The episode opens with the resolution of the previous episode's cliffhanger. How did they get out of it? Well, what happened was that the Joes fell down a crevice after Major Blood took the last shipwreck. Yeah, and Lady Hawkeye throws one of her custom spears down the crevice and extends... Yes, I said Lady Hawkeye. That was intentional. (laughs) She throws a custom spear that saves them. Mm-hmm. A rocket-assisted capture net. It seems perfect for this situation, and I have no idea what other situation she would have used it in. I don't think she really thought that through so well. I mean, she's got all of these options, and she cho- chooses that one. She's like, okay, cool, I've caught them. And then she leaves it up to Shipwreck to get himself back up. I mean, it's not like she had the amazing, you know, fishing rod spear or something, which, you know, this show, it, it could be guilty of doing. You know, so... Mm, yeah, it's like if she had a a javelin that did a kind of a spidey line of like yeah. elastic, gooey stuff to yank them back up, that probably would have been first prize. But you know what? I'm glad they didn't crib Spider-Man's act. Mm. And, and also it gave Shipwreck an opportunity to showcase the accessory that, in fact, he never really came with. Yeah. Because if, if you take a look at Shipwreck's... If you take a look at Shipwreck's... I suppose they're more like... Uh, more like anchors. They're yeah, steel, I, steel bits that I suppose you'd use to... Um, I don't know. It's meant to be a boarding hook. So the only thing I can think of is that 
you meant to throw it and suppose a wrap around something and then you could get yourself there but it's just not grappling hook ish enough it is weird it's it's nautical but it's not grappling hook tickle <laughs> yeah he's kind of copying um alpine's gig a little bit i'm afraid yeah yeah still it's, uh, it's it nifty. is still cool to see and of course after getting out he has to have a line Flint says that was a little close for me, and the shipwreck that was just great for me. I love danger. Yo, Joe. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> Everyone decides to have a laugh at that. Yes. Like, you dumb schmuck. I don't know. I, I I kind of I I kind of I didn't read it that way. For me, I read it more like. Yeah, we love danger. <laughs> We're so cool. <laughs> we all enjoy it. I, I kind of read it. Like, if the context of G.I. Joe never really being in actual peril was taken out of the equation, I read it as, like, shipwreck, you're an idiot, and you're going to get yourself killed. So, <laughs> nervous laugh. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Dreaming, buddy boy. Yeah, like when, when shipwreck tried to uh, talk up Lady J. Uh, Yo, Joe! (laughs) But coming out of the third episode, there were three errors that I wished I had picked up on before, but only after re-watching them today did I notice them. That in episode three, there are sequences when Flint is hiding behind cover and returning fire with blue laser bolts. Now, Mm -hmm. blue laser bolts are Cobra. Mm. But they switched that around. Okay. That's a niggly, minor uh, point. Conceptually, having shipwreck in the jungle makes about as much sense as him captaining a boat in the desert. Because there's a (laughs) nautical battle happening on the island of no return. Yeah. Surely he'd be more of an asset there. But instead, you've got Clutch piloting a landing boat. I don't know. I guess the idea with G.I. Joe, as far as the cartoon is concerned, is everyone is multidisciplinarian, which is okay. I can buy that. But (laughs) they had a perfect opportunity to show Shipwreck in essentially his ideal environment, but they always displaced him. Maybe that was the idea. They want to (laughs) juxtapose the character so that he's got the opportunity to say that line about, this is why I prefer to be... On the water, because you can always dive, or something to that effect. Yeah, so, so, yeah, it, I remember that line too. It's more like the power of boners won over. <laughs> he was still chasing after Lady J. He climbed yeah. into that jet because she was going there. He, he didn't know where. Her. He didn't know where the hell he was going. He was just like, mm, smells like mm, the scent of a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Is any extra space in the cockpit for me? Oh. Oh. Oh, Flint's a kinky boy. He's like, he doesn't mind sharing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just establishing Shipwreck not not necessarily as a sailor, but just he was just going where he was needed. I mean, he was introduced in the desert, and I was just going somewhere else. I mean, it's like your toys aren't restricted to whatever zone that their makeup suggests. Hey, Lady J. I've got a javelin for your quiver. <laughs> oh. And here, the third and final blooper is quite a major one, and it's an animation error. The giant snake robot mm. that fights the giant Aztec stone robot loses its arms during the no, fight. Not actually, just one, Not just one, both arms. I did actually see that as well. No, if you rewatch it, he actually only loses his one arm. Watch it again. I did watch it again. I will try to watch it to, just to see that. He only loses the one arm in that fight. In that, okay. in that scene where you see that, he definitely only loses the one arm. I also thought the same thing. Well, but when he throws it... With our loses. listenership as our witnesses, I take you <laughs> a bet. I uh, will wager... Any Joe from my collection, any, you can have any single one. <laughs> if, That's if, not much of a bet. If this there is, is all my Joes there, at your house anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> if there is a single animation panel that show the giant snake robot with no arms, I win. 
you accept? Yeah, I accept that. Why not? <laughs> any Joe. Yeah, any Joe. Rob can win. Rob. Rob gets to win any Joe from your collection. Sure. Oh, I think that's the okay. stake. But then, what's my stake? Um, I don't know. Any of mine, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's basically a trade. Listeners, we'll keep you in the loop in um, our next episode. For sure. And something that struck me in the episode under consideration, episode four, when Lady J whips out this handy javelin to save Gung Ho and Shipwreck, are there two ripcords? Yes. That is actually one of the things that I also noticed. I'm like, are those green shirts dressed as ripcord or those two ripcords? that's so weird because when they Ripcord's outfit is so generic I've always taken it to be at least as far as the early run of G.I. Joe is concerned the generic paratrooper outfit that's Halo gear because Mm. you could buy essentially his helmet and mask as part of the parachute pack which Mm. is a mail away offer so Effectively, once the helmet and mask are on the ripcord figure, that could be any Joe. And mm. his camo pattern is perfect for a jungle assault. So oh, it could be any number of Joes just dressed in paratrooper gear. Agreed. They also disappear, though. Do I get a no prize? Yeah, you get a no prize. All yours. Yay. Thank you, Marvel. <laughs> they love you. No, they don't. They love your money. <laughs> uh, there's some weird color changes as well in the episode. Nothing major, and it could also just be the transition, you know, from the master. But like Roadblock's orange sometimes tends to flicker as well quite a bit. It's like not a major thing. It's just it's a small animation faux pas. I know Snake Eyes' color palette seems to vary a lot. Mm. If he's against a dark background, sometimes he'll look more purple. Mm. to bring out the, the details on his bandolier. It's consideration for the audience as well, which is very good, so, and so that I can see what's going on. So, or bandolier. Oh, bandolier. Yeah. Bandolier. Bandolier. So they save Shipwreck and Gung-Ho by Gung-Ho and Shipwreck launching themselves out of the crevasse. Yeah. Then they run off. Shipwreck makes his comment about how he loves danger. And then, apparently... The freak weather is causing the earthquakes, according to our resident genius, Doc. Yep, Doc science. Doc raises the stakes. Doc is busy checking his Facebook profile while Cutter's getting not shot at. (laughs) Rob, does your whale have a computer screen on the side of its hull like that? Uh, I don't think so, no. Hmm. I haven't noticed one. (laughs) And mine also can't deploy a smoke screen. Mm. Yeah, that's true. But you know what? That's cool. I'd sooner them imbue existing vehicles with equipment that actually doesn't exist than for them to introduce a new vehicle or a new piece of equipment. Mm. So I dig that. If you're lost, we're talking about the fact that the whale has a side panel that opens up to uh, eject black smoke to use to cover the G.I. Joe's movements. Then, yeah, kind of like how the Warthog has um, smoke grenade launches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but then the Joes don't make any movements. Yeah, they they basically, oh. when we get back to the island, they're in the same position they were in the last episode. Still non-stop shooting at each other. Yeah. We must counter their counter with our own counter-offensive. It's a very good old Morgan impersonation. <laughs> Have you learned the name of the voiceover artist yet, Paul, for Barrish's? <laughs> or is Morgan. it still Old Morgan? <laughs> it's Morgan something. <laughs> God, those credits go way too quickly, and I, I read it, and I'm always like, oh, that's the name. <laughs> and then it goes away. And then I, and then I see BJ coming, so what's her name? BJ Ward. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, ah! incidentally, then, she's also a redhead, just like yeah. Scarlet. <laughs> just like uh. they both pop smoke, okay, and that's it. They pop smoke. They don't. Oh move, no, the cobras. Get away. No, the cobras at least uh, decide to launch a further offensive. 
off goes Firefly and a few blue shirts in water moccasins. Mm. And they make an assault on the island. Yes. Which is where we cut to uh, Zartan in his sub presenting mm-hmm. a third faction. And that's the reveal where we find out Zartan's actually in it for himself. Yeah. Discuss. <laughs> Disgust. I don't know if you guys are saying disgust or disgust. <laughs> well, look, at, up until this point, Revenge of Cobra seemed like a retread of the mass device in a lot of yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. But now, with Zartan presenting a third faction, you've got a, a wild card factor, and this is going to change the shape of things to come in what remains of this miniseries. In fact, it's going mm-hmm. to alter the course so radically that most of the finale of this miniseries is spent dealing with the effects that, that Zartan institutes. So I'm kind of crazy about it. I really dig the fact that Zartan presents a competent threat to both G.I. Joe and Cobra just because he's so damn sneaky. He's super sneaky. Yeah. Um, sneaky and greedy. I mean, he uses his snake sideways. <laughs> he uses the covert kind of activity that I always expected and hoped that G.I. Joe and Cobra would in- engage in. Instead, they're too busy blasting each other with red and blue lasers. So, of course, a character like Zartan using guile instead of brute strength mm. is going to see an opening, which he does. And once again, we get to see his cool Zartan submarine, which I, I'm no, glad No, this is the first time we've seen it. Come on. No, we've seen it before. No, you haven't. Really, really have. Watch episode three again. Am I going to take you on a bet as well? Watch episode three again. <laughs> I'm going to own one of your Joes, uh, Paul. Well, both of you, you bastards. No, you're not. Watch episode three nope. again. <laughs> okay. Actually, no, watch episode two again. I think he already starts his shenanigans then. No, no, no. We're talking about Zartan appearing as a submarine at the island of no return. No, we, no, no. I thought we were talking about Zartan appearing in his submarine. Because I'm saying he appeared in his submarine again. That cool submarine again. And I know that I saw it before episode 4 because I had made a conscious effort of trying not to watch these episodes out of sequence as well, you know, for, for, for the purposes of this little exercise. As opposed to what you normally do, which is watch them in any particular order. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Uh, I just put crazy. random discs in and just watch them randomly, yeah. Okay. Well, that might explain why your mind is clouded on this point, but I assure you, I will be owning that Joe of yours. Anyway, (laughs) so we cut to another very cool sequence, and that's Mm. Spirit and Storm Shadow going at it. They've washed up in this underground underground, uh, cavern with the water rising. They do their kind of respectful bows and start beating the crap out of each other. Yeah, they made sure that the the, the the device was okay. Okay, that's okay. Well, let's get back to it. Yeah, the yeah. ion correlator. Now, that must be the most buoyant piece of highly prized technology ever. Mm. <laughs> and waterproof. Not only, not only can it float on the surface of the water, but it is so light and buoyant that it just sails through the air <laughs> onto cliffs, you know, out of reach. Anyway, uh, something I wanted to ask you, Paul, as you know, the, the resident martial arts expert, Storm Shadow and Spirit's conflict ends with them both delivering what looks like a pretty fatal blow to each other's throats. Mm. Isn't that a, a death strike? I looked at it once or twice, and it actually they more like sucker punch each other in the face. So it's Although, a jaw. Wouldn't that yeah. knock you out? No, a that blow would... to the jaw like that. It can, yeah. That's why I think in cartoon re- in cartoon world, uh, it can either knock you out or obviously um, make you both propel backwards instead of just you know sort of dropping, because <laughs> that's what mm-hmm. actually would happen. You would probably you'd both punch each other and you'd both kind of go cold fish and then fall. <laughs> they'd actually fall towards each other and sort of land sideways or any any sort of configuration of that. They wouldn't shoot backwards <laughs> like uh-huh. they did, but I like that they do. In fact, this portion of the fight scene. It's very cool for me. It's very crunchy. I don't know if you guys got that. Uh, it's the echo of the of the cavern. The sort of reverb is really heavy on the mm. punches, and some they try to do these very dramatic backflips and movements, and there's a lot of cool stuff happening there with with the combat that I quite liked. I also, and this is kind of funny, but with Storm Shadow, 
somebody there read that Storm Shadow's, you know, a master of many martial arts disciplines. And I think, um, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, but it does list him as, as knowing several forms of martial arts, including jiu-jitsu, kung fu, ninjutsu, and karate. I think they mentioned that in the file card, uh, as well as numerous others or something. You're not thinking of Snake Eyes' original file card? I could be. I could be, because I know... Twelve different uh, forms of martial arts. Martial arts. Now, the thing is... Twelve Shadow... different disciplines? I don't know, forms or something yeah. different? Yeah. Storm Shadows just basically mentions that he's an expert in the longbow, samurai sword, throwing stars, nunchaku sticks, eighth degree black belt in five martial arts. Okay, so... There's no specifics. We can assume... We can assume mm. that Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow's training is very similar, if not the same. Snake Eyes seems to have diversified a bit more, though. I think he definitely has. And I'll get uh, into a cool example of that I saw the other day uh, when I was reading the comic. But uh, one thing that, that, that happens in this episode is he bows and he does two different martial arts greetings. He puts his flat hand and a fist together, which is quite common in Kung Fu and it's also common in Chinese culture. And then he greets... By bowing as well, which is quite traditionally Japanese. So I, I think what happened is somebody saw this, uh, either read Snake Eyes' file card and figured, well, you know, they both look like ninjas. We can't make Snake Eyes so much a ninja, so let's make Storm Shadow the ninja and give him everything. And then I don't, I don't know how he would bow. Let's give him some kind of esoteric bow. Let's watch a Kung Fu movie. Let's do that. Let's give him a bow and a and a, like a Kung Fu greeting, you know? And he does that, which is interesting. I'm not sure what um, Spirit is doing, because obviously I, I don't know a lot about Native American culture, so I don't even know if that's like a symbol or whatever that he's doing, but it does look some like some kind of greeting, so I can only assume such. But uh, Snake Eyes yeah. is proficient in 12 different unarmed fighting systems. Wow, Snake Eyes is mm. And some form of holistic medicine. In addition to demolitions, mountaineering, and, 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 mm-hmm. and. Yeah, no, Snake Eyes, the ultimate MacGuffin, must know everything. But yeah. Coming it back... Does speak to the fact that he seems, seems to have found more avenues of training, whereas mm. Storm Shadow is the traditionalist, probably stayed in one dojo and studied. Yeah, that's okay. why he has, a, he has Black Belt in Fire Martial Arts, while it just says Snake Eyes is proficient in 12 different. Ah... Yeah. Interesting. I mean, he yes. he knows he knows a lot more. That doesn't mean that he has any sort of. It's like Storm Shadow went to university and he got his degree. Oh, his doctorate. Snake Eyes kind of yeah, oh, his doctorate. And Snake Eyes kind of PhD. And he studied a lot more. He's kind of he spent a lot more time there. He went to a bunch of classes that he didn't he didn't actually sign up for. So he knows a lot more. His his knowledge is a lot more varied. Yeah, mm. which means he's got a, quite a. Uh, a fairly decent tool set and probably follows a lot of the philosophies or similar philosophies to what Jeet Kune Do teaches. Either way, there's a very cool scene and in the silent interlude, which I happened to read again yesterday, actually. And it's very cool to note that in that comic book, one of the this major is the differences... infamous issue 21. Yes. Jumping around a bit, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. Just uh, Because, I mean, we are dealing with, with the ninja whammer jammer here a little bit. But in that comic, and I don't want to get into too many details, but it is really cool to have good old Snake Eyes throw a grenade. Mm-hmm. And I love that, because that's his trump card in that situation. He's like, screw it, throw a grenade. <laughs> oh, it's sublime. That. It's sublime, and it gives the military realist side of the fandom a huge kick. It's mm-hmm. like, Ninja with size, commando with grenade, commando with grenade wins. Every time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Coming back to that scene, one of the other things that I really like is the conflict happens. They realize that the conflict is actually stupid between the two of them at that moment. Come to the conclusion that it might be a good idea to sit around and do nothing while they think about their next step. At least one of them does. Yeah, how so, to escape from that situation. I like that. You know, that yeah. they, they knew that they didn't have to constantly fight each other. I yeah. mean, they want to survive, or at least Spirit does. Um, it sets them both up as completely different types of characters to the rest mm. of their compatriots. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Storm Shadow is unlike any other Cobra we've ever known, and Spirit is unlike any other Joe, really. 
Yeah. Know, yeah. Put Duke in that situation, he'd want Storm Shadow tied up before he plots his next move. I yeah. Mm. Tied no, up or successfully knocked out. Spirit's like, okay, we're not going to do this now. Duke's into we'll that. Do this later. Because this is not wise. This is not the way. Yeah. Mm. We we both win or neither of us win. Yeah, so Spirit is the big man here and he's like, I must dwell on this. Mm. <laughs> and he does. <laughs> he dwells on it. I don't know about you guys, but I'd like to get more of this fight out uh, right now while it's fresh and, and, definite, and certainly while it's fresh on our listeners' ears. Mm, the, uh, yeah, we don't have to stick to the chronology of the episode. I think, listeners, you'll forgive us for uh, sticking with one subject to completion. Mm. Yes. So, yes, the, let's, let's talk about Storm Shadow and Spirit some more. I like that. I like that. The conclusion for this is really cool because Storm Shadow's all like, Oh, we are going to die! But he says it in a much more eloquent fashion, like, yeah, we he says, will discover the eternal secret together, or whatever it is. Yes, he does. He's, your theorizing is too late. We shall soon learn the eternal secret together. Jeez, Rob wins. <laughs> no, no, Rob yeah. only wins. He writes but it down. I wrote it down. I read it here. I just wrote eternal secret together. Yeah, that's the, that's that's the gist of that's the the, the main point, you know. Hey, hey we're like, all winners here. Okay. Definitely. Because we watched the miniseries and we love GI Joe, so we're really winners. Yo, Joe. So then, Storm Shadow and Spirit reckon, well, you know what? Let's put our heads under water and kiss underneath the thing, and then we'll get out of here. <laughs> this thing is so buoyant that it it you know it, it has a little pocket of air underneath that we can go under and and be all safe. And I'm pretty sure in an extended cut of the animation series, which we aren't privy to, there is a scene where they pop out and Storm Shadow's like, Why did the air pocket smell like fart? <laughs> <laughs> but, Something's coming. Oh. <laughs> they find their way through and they get blasted through some form of a geyser, water spout situation mm. and they both get flung through the air gracefully along with the very heavy part of the weather dominator which as the far as ion I can, correlator the ion correlator which all i can surmise is a big empty box okay because that's the <laughs> pocket underneath it yeah and it's really light <sighs> everybody carries it under one arm it's it fits in all kinds of spaces it you shot out the water you can climb with it. Yeah, dude. Spirit is amazing. Okay, which brings us to the next scene. Where Storm yeah. Shadow's all like, You saved my life. You can have the thing. It's yours. Keep it. Your Storm Shadow impersonation gets better and better. <laughs> I could do my real one, but I'm always scared it's inaudible. So I could always say, You have oh. saved my life. What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> For that, you can have the metal box, which I'm going to steal back anyway. <laughs> Wait, we don't know that yet. Spoilers, come on, uh, guys. Spoilers, but still, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you think you got this one, G.I. Joe? I'll let you think you've got this one, but actually, I'm not going to fail my masters, because Storm Shadow always finishes the job. True. Oh, yeah. No, he's he's that kind of guy. He, he you yeah. know. He's so it, it was it was a smart move. It's like, if I try and fight you for this now, I've got to get this damn thing off an island that's going to blow up. So G.I. Joe, you take it. I'm going to get my ass on a rattler and get the hell out of here because this mm. island is going to blow. It's hot under my feet. I know. It's going. I'm wearing socks only. So if... Yeah, exactly. So if you manage to survive this and you rescue the piece... Well, good for you, because I'm going to steal it anyway. <laughs> exactly. Storm Shadow rocks hard. I'm going to credit the writers with it. Mm. Yeah, even, they've even characterized a, him really well. No, look, even if it's a happy coincidence. Yeah. Storm Shadow, like, bye-bye, spirit. You have a have a nice helicopter ride back to the, the aircraft carrier, but you know, I'm going to see you again. And I'm going to beat you and take the damn thing. So, mm. True. Hollow victory. Cheers. <laughs> I uh, like, I'd like to think that the writers, that was a subtext that they were playing there. Well, one mm. of the, the big clues is, and I mean, obviously it's this show, so we don't expect any character to really die or disappear, but 
they don't go if I see you again, it's when I see you again. That also kind of is kind of heavy in that you get that serious. I'm such a badass ninja. You're such a badass Native American spokesman for G.I. Joe. You and I are both going to survive this. There's no doubt about that. Mm. The fact that basically we're just shooting light at each other doesn't make any a difference. I think the most mm, dangerous but the thing. The island is that, blowing up is real terror. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's a lot of peri peri sauce. <laughs> it's peril, <fatal>. dickhead. <laughs> Perilous. <laughs> so, so Storm Shadow leaves, and Firefly now makes his very quiet, silent approach upon Spirit. Hey, I not. know you're being facetious, but Spirit <laughs> didn't notice him, not a damn. He Which bloody... is impossible. I know he needed his, uh, he needed freedom. What Eyes troubles you? Hawk, hawk. What troubles you, noble freedom? Yeah, because cause you know how that scene happens, right? Because Strength basically, of the bear, bear, bear. No, what's going to happen <laughs> is Firefly rocks up on there with no less than three water moccasins. They all jump off. Firefly's like, there's the iron correlator, whatever the yeah, hell he, he said. Yeah, he shouts it, and the guys, and you can like, see him. And guys, he's like, didn't you, know, didn't you know water moccasins are like stealth boats? They're really No, it's not the stealthiness. <laughs> it's what Firefly does. And that's what I'm going to say now. He's like, yes. Cobra! And then, and Rob's going to reenact Spirit's <laughs> portion right now, and I'm going to play Freedom. <laughs> rock, I want to play the water rock, rock, rock. What troubles you, noble freedom? <laughs> rock, rock. This is what's happening in, in, in Spirit's head. Rock, rock. That's all he can hear. He can't even hear Firefly sneaking up on him because he's stupid birds having some kind of aneurysm about Cobra approaching him. <laughs> and then we are treated to a scene of Spirit one arm climbing with this thing underneath his arm. <laughs> Which is amazing, okay? I'm still amazed at that. I mean, what is he doing? Is he wedging this thing? Is he using this thing to give him some leverage? I don't know. There's a lot of problems with size in this miniseries, the cartoon. But I'll I'll talk about that later. But So, Spirit still hasn't even noticed that Firefly is after him. He's basically climbing. It's like, I'm climbing now. And then it takes the traitorous Zartan to level the playing field. Yeah. And he reveals his master plan. You remember at the end of our analysis of episode three, mm-hmm. you know, I made the point that how does a stalemate help anyone? Because you need all three pieces to complete the weather dominator. Yeah. Well, Zartan's plan relies on a stalemate. He's only ever expecting one side to have two pieces. It's a twist. And, and then have to either steal the third from the other or fabricate their own. So Zartan is playing for a draw. So essentially the situation that's being set up is only really serving his purpose. That yeah. by taking that last piece, he can play the two sides off against one another in a sort of a bidding war. But in order to do that, he not only has to assist G.I. Joe getting the eye on correlator, but he needs to wage war in the battle on the roof of the world. And steal the laser core. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. I love the tone that emerges as Destro is flying to the roof of the world. Mm. The score is so good, and it really comes out at that point. There's something Mm. very ominous about the aircraft that he's flying and his approach and the amazing sort of sense of... Suspense that you get from from the the voice actor himself. Yeah, Excellent he. Work. Wow, it, it it's really strong. It's very rich. The voice acting performance there is very rich. It comes across as really, it's really, just it's full of texture. I don't know how to uh, put it better, uh, put it across better than that. Because I was I was watching it with my biggest sound as opposed to watching it just through the TV, and I was like, wow, Destro's voice really just roars in the speakers in a in a very cool way. Uh, contrast that to, and I don't know if you gents have seen it, but the voice acting in the Marvel comic commercials, which <laughs> features some pretty impressive animation, but yeah. man, they got some wacky voiceovers, and Destro's a major offender. Oh, yes. I've got those as special features, actually, in the box set. Very good. Oh, that's yeah. cool. That's funny. Anyway, so the mood established by Cobra's arrival at the roof of the world 
kind of gets broken a bit by G.I. Joe's, like, you know, brass section going to town while they arrive on two-seater battle bears. Nice. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. Nice. Very nice. And one of them is even uh, trailing the glacier sleds, which they're about to employ to get Not to so off. nice. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not going to even mask it at this point. That is the personal low of this episode. <laughs> Why don't they just keep driving the <gasps> battle bears? Yeah, exactly. Why not stick with at least a, an existing toy? Yeah. That have these fucking. They look like they should be part of some theme park ride, like the Tunnel of Love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So they pair up on the on the glacier sleds and shipwrecks. Hey, who's going to ride with me? <laughs> then gung get a date some other time. This ain't the tunnel of love. Oh, exactly. That's where I got it from. <laughs> yes. ho should have been like, the last time I sat next to somebody, it was Cobra Commander. And he's got a real pretty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> this is a kid's shirt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I also don't like those... Luigi type toboggans or whatever the hell you call them. They have no. They're not self-powered. Like they, mm. how do they move forward? Mm. I mean, do these do these uh, tunnels all slope downwards? They're just so know. slick and icy that that after you push them off the first thing, they just keep going. Amazing. Just no so friction smooth. whatsoever. Yeah, just frictionless. It's like it's like being in outer space. You just got that. You know, gravity momentum. <laughs> and I mean gravity, like the movie Gravity. And I, yes. I know what gravity is. The, so do I. Yeah. But then you got, like, Snowjob, who is such a cool character for me anyway. But he, he reveals himself <laughs> as some form of you know, psychic, arctic-faring G.I. Joe. Because he's all like, yeah, we can totally go through this hole. <laughs> it's going to go all the way through. <laughs> it's going to the point. We're all animated. We can totally go through this hole. We'll be fine. Everybody's like, oh shit, yeah, let's do that. That sounds great. Yeah, let's do that. That's, yeah, it's not going to be a problem. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Except Gung Ho. What if we get stuck in there? And Shipwreck says something like, well, at least you always have ice for your drinks. (laughs) Nice. Did he pack drinks? A few bottles. (laughs) I like that they just get there because they're kind of going oh, okay maybe mom or dad watching this with you know their kids at seven o'clock on saturday morning might get a good chuckle out of it or whatever yeah yeah but and a cool detail just uh, on the scene before we sort of move forward the joes all seem to have winter clothing to some degree yep yeah, yeah that was I, very nice it's not like shipwreck ha- you know has to keep wearing his little like chest bearing t-shirt mm. They actually thought to at least animate them, like, sensibly. And Shipwreck, ironically, is the one with the most sensible gear. Not just the most sensible, more like the best looking of the gear. It's like a naval greatcoat. It's mm. brilliant. I love it. I, I'd, I'd love to see a variant of Shipwreck like that. That would be a cool variant. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me that the cartoon adapted the canonic looks of G.I. Joe's to match their environment like that. Whereas... If you look at issues of the comic book, you've got Gung-Ho running around in the snow in his standard look, mm. <laughs> completely unchanged. Were the comic book artists directed by Hasbro to maintain absolute toy accuracy, whereas the cartoon animators had more rope? I think it comes down to the mediums being very different. You know, in a cartoon, you've got a voice actor always pumping some kind of volume through that character. So... It's very difficult for like a kid to confuse that. That's the first thing. Secondly, you know they are moving, and you've got other characters that can say their names, and you can create the reference. And with a character like Shipwreck, especially with Shipwreck, he's such a charismatic voice in the series that you could dress him up as anything. You could even put him in a suit and not see his face, and you'll still know it's Shipwreck. Aren't you creating a bit of confusion in your audience? Mommy, I want that toy. Not that one. Not the not the not the other one. I want that one. Yeah, no, I want the Baroness with the cool helmet on. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, yeah. the you know the old lady suit on. You know the fat hmm. suit. With the mask. Yeah. <laughs> no, well you are. Yeah, you're right. You do create that confusion. But then, 
how many years after the comic book run has come out and you've got Larry Harmer and Mark Bellamo going through it, correcting things like a miscolor on Doc. I don't think they're going to give Gung-Ho a snow jacket. They're not going to go that (laughs) far, I'm afraid. Anyway, the Dreadnoughts arrive on the scene, right? (laughs) And I've got this to say about those Dreadnoughts. Say what you will about them, but they are really good at packing luggage. Oh, yeah. oh my god, yeah. Wow. They have tiny little backpacks on their backs. But mm-hmm. somehow they're able to unpack entire motorcycles out of them. Engines mm-hmm. and all. And a tricycle. What? Yeah. You know Zartan's the boss when he rides a trike. Tires. They have tires. Yep. Are they like inflatable tires? Were they like packed flat? Not just tires, they even they snow spec. They ice yeah. they like yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're able to ride on those. And the rope that they needed to ascend with. Yeah. And the rope that they used to grapple onto the uh, laser core. <laughs> and of course, we get another opportunity with the Zartan and Sunlight. Which I like. It's the third. T- uh, yeah, but it's like the but third time. But he does change his speech because it's not just like, oh, the sunlight. Oh, I hate the sunlight. Oh, the sunlight. It's going to cause an avalanche. The Arctic <laughs> sun. It's going to cause an avalanche, he shouts. Yes, he shouts. You're right. He does shout. He's like, <laughs> if nobody knows we're here already, they do now. And if I'm really worried about an avalanche, I'm just going to keep shouting. Well, don't worry. Also, he doesn't need to save his voice because he brought his bullhorn as well. He packed that into his little bag. Yeah. <laughs> Along with the tires and the engine and the fuel. Yep, uh, he whips out a bullhorn and makes his demands known. And, and only after that, the most priceless sequence in this uh, miniseries <laughs> can we just can we just have a moment of awe and wonder at GI Joe and Cobra going head to head in a ice hockey slash curling <laughs> competition. <laughs> and it's really nicely animated and choreographed, actually. Yeah. I mean, they agreed. even found like. They use like Firefly, like it, it they blast it off into a corner. He blows up a piece of ice, and the laser core unit like sort of skids off that and shoots in yeah. another direction. It's great. It's so weird that it's fun. It's actually cool in a weird way. Like, yes. It's so silly. It's awesome. Just before that sequence, Zartan gets asked why they couldn't just fly there. Okay, and Zartan's reply is. Because the weather's so crazy, you can't get a plane down there. Meanwhile, old Baroness, with her nice helmet, is flying around there like a mad thing and even sees them climbing up the mountain. <laughs> so Zartan's, Zartan probably just, he's just too proud. He's like, he didn't want to go and tell poor Torch that he doesn't have a, a plane. He's like, I'm sorry, we can't afford a plane. What is that, boss? Uh, it's too dangerous to fly. Yeah, just keep <laughs> flying, mutt. Anyway. <laughs> so now they all arrive on the scene for the great curling hockey face-off that Steve composed earlier. And they all sort of arrive miraculously at the same time because they are in super awesome cartoon world. Well, they've Not all realizing... come from practically the same places. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> that's a going. big problem <laughs> that I've wanted to mention quite quite a few times. It's Geography. Like, oh, let's pack up here and head to the next place because we're likely to find the same same opposition there. Yeah. It's like they didn't dispatch people to each destination at the same time. Yeah. Which would have been so much smarter. It's these super strike forces, these like quick little like blitz teams that go in. And, you know, I suppose they're really lucky that they got the number one curling champ in the world, Gung Ho. who thinks the best idea to move this thing around is to shoot at it okay pretty soon everyone picked up his his tip (laughs) they were like oh cool the Baroness was strafing it from the air (laughs) it survived going up through the atmosphere and falling back through the atmosphere I think a couple of laser blasts aren't going to do much to it it's the ice that worries me (laughs) 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 I'm pretty sure the hydrocorrelator, or whatever the hell it's called, can take a laser blast. <laughs> That's an amazing amalgamation of two components. It's the ion <laughs> correlator and the hydromaster. Thank you. Thanks for playing, Paul. 
I tried to write them down, and I was just like, you know, screw it. It's just, it's, it's just noise. Stick to your art job. It's the round one, the square one, and the triangular-ish one. You'd yeah. laugh, you'd laugh, but I did draw little pictures of them to try and keep track of which one is which. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think that's, that's cool. Good. Well, yeah. Stephen the artist too. Woo. Woo-hoo. I can make you draw, dude. Don't <laughs> worry. So now we got this whole face-off going on and what happens then steve because i know you want to tell listeners this part um well we reached the end of the episode but let's go back i know i said we wouldn't do this but let's go back quickly and just talk about roadblocks adventures yes his his adventure keeps on going and it somehow links up with everything else which is great. Well, he winds up in the Cobra Temple, the subterranean Cobra Temple. Obviously, these trucks of Hondaloo Wests. Uh, yeah, her Optimus used, Prime driven trucks. <laughs> were used to again. resupply the Cobra base. So, hey, would you look at that? Out of the frying pan and into the fire, Roadblock gets delivered right into Cobra's belly. And what does he do? He pays off his situation by... Falling right into Cobra Commander's lap. I mean, of yeah. course, he does get to threaten Cobra Commander and toss him a little bit. But ultimately, like, he wasn't very smart about what he did once he was inside the base. He basically no. got captured. <clears throat> and captured by none other than Scrap Iron wielding barbecue's accessory. Yep. <laughs> and I'm not it. talking about the flamethrower. I'm talking about the backpack. Backpack. That is exactly yeah. barbecue's backpack. And Barbecue hadn't been produced yet, or at least he hadn't gone on sale yet. Barbecue, mm. being a 1985 figure, was only going to be released the following year. So obviously, the designers got illustrations, maybe test models mm. of this action figure. The accessories might have wound up in a pile. <clears throat> they were like, mm, we need a gas tank. Let's model it on that thing. wonder who it belongs to. Eh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but the <laughs> irony is, that gas tank isn't a gas tank. It holds... Fire retardant foam. Yeah. Yeah. What a robot goes ahead and does is is useless, but <laughs> he ends up singing the theme song along with the music, mm-hmm. which I loved. That's why he gets caught, dude. Because everybody's like, "What's that racket? Who the fuck is singing?" He's you so know? off key. He is totally <laughs> off key. It's horrible. I'm pretty sure that was done in post. It was like they got the voice actor to sing it. No, 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 wherever there's trouble. And then in post, they were like, in the sort of music mixing, they decided, eh, let's put uh, the G.I. Joe theme under that. Meanwhile, it's beautiful. It's such a lovely moment. It's beautiful. But that's okay, though, because it doesn't have to, I mean, he's not necessarily a singer, which I quite like. Mm. But the Mm. fact that they caught him through the, yeah, (laughs) but the fact that they caught him through the singing, I mean, that's not much of a thing, because... Cobra Commander was making a huge racket anyway, destroying his communications device. And yep. he'd barely started. And already the Crimson Guard and a couple of like Vipers show up and they're like, what's going on? Which incidentally is the debut of the Crimson Guard. God. Mm. Yeah. Well, him saying something, but he had been pictured before carrying a tray with the gold on. Oh, yes. For Zartan in the first episode. Oh, yeah. very good. Well, so uh, Crimson Guardsmen are like essentially the tea bitches. Oh, yeah. yeah, but like he he's came the secretary, so he's the secretary in the sort of adjacent room, and when the commander's having a hissy, or if someone needs to get paid off, in CG. <laughs> There's a cool little thing there that we just glanced over. Roadblock, when he sneaks up on uh, good old Cobra Commander, he, he delivers quite a cool line. Cobra Commander's going on, why are great men always surrounded by lesser beings? And then Roadblock makes his entrance, you know, with the I asked myself the same question. <laughs> and then he... And Cobra Commander's face, he's like, eyes are really big. And then yes. Roadblock, like, face plants him, like, with his hand, just, like, flatty on his face. Boom. <laughs> nice. Boom. I love that. Face mask violation. Boom. <laughs> Dig it. <laughs> it's so... It's one of my favorite things in the in the episode. It's just so blatant. I loved it. I'm going to see... Well. I'm going to see your line and raise you for best line of this episode when Scrap Iron says take <laughs> them from behind, from behind. <laughs> <laughs> wrote that down wow 
<laughs> not even being discreet. Thunderheads, <laughs> uh, imbeciles! Why are great men always surrounded by lesser beings? I asked myself the same question, fool. How did you get here? Go away! That's easy for you to say, sucker. Now shut up. Get the intruders! Splitting time, little buddy. Oh, he'll fight for freedom wherever there is trouble. G.I. Joe is here. I do believe I pressed the right button, Roadblock. I believe so, too, Hondaloo. Now we can cut out of this snake motel and... Take them from behind! And then they get captured and they get taken into the arena of sport. Yeah, and you get a lovely little moment. While. Well done, Roadblock. <laughs> you blew it. You get the cool little moment between Duke and Roadblock where they do their cool little greeting. Yo, what's up, man? Yeah. yeah. Oh, but that's only the next episode. Yeah, it's a little thumbs up and shit. <laughs> the Joes are so hip. They it's laugh okay. in the face of danger. So cool. And then Cobra Commander, he's like, I've had enough for these people. Start the end program. Let the arena kill them. What? Cobra Commander, why don't you just kill them yourself? <laughs> yeah. Do it. Kill these Joes. I'm going to go sit on the toilet. <laughs> like, yeah, he's had, no, he's had enough with them, and he's not even staying to watch it. Yeah, it's like, it's he's so not boring. even getting any pleasure out of them being killed by these, ah, oh, these god-awfully weird, like, animated, like, snake monster things. Laser snake. Laser snakes. You know, like, like, outline, I don't know. It's like they didn't put the, you know, the textures onto them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had the processing power of 1984 at their fingertips, so can you blame them? So no. that's where we leave the guys in the in the Cobra HQ. They're being attacked by these gigantic laser, laser snakes. Laser snakes. But meanwhile, but back, on the yes. roof of the world, Zartan and his boys secure the laser core. They announce their plan to Cobra and GI Joe that the highest bidder will receive the prize possession. And then, just as a giant fuck you, because he doesn't really care much for the assembled cretin beneath him, <laughs> he brings an avalanche down on their heads. That's like, oh. I'm, not, I'm only going to deal with your leaders. I don't need Flint. I don't need Destro. They've got to take him seriously. So he shoots out, you know, he shoots out the, the ice, ice roof shelf thing. Thing, yeah. And it all comes down, and that's the cliffhanger for the episode. Dun, dun, dun. Will our heroes and villains survive? Especially since Lady J was like, no, don't shoot at him. He's using a megaphone. We've shot the ice like countless times now. There's been explosions, probably. Yes. But there's been like, no avalanche. It should be safe. We should just shoot him. <laughs> can't risk an avalanche. Friends, there's a reason why, like, Zartan's pistol is probably one of my favorite pistol sculpts. That is a hand cannon. An it is. It I, is. That gun, dude. That gun. That gun is cool. That gun is gun very cool. Is crazy gun. I love it on the twenty first as well, and I also I uh, like the representation of it for the sideshow uh, mm. toy as well. Came across very well, and I really like how they really bring it out in the scene. They uh, yes, they give it that cool little gleam on it twice. Gleam. He lifts it up in the air. There's a gleam, and then he points it forward and there's that cool little gleam off the barrel. It's great. So oh cool. yeah. Zartan doesn't often pick up a gun, but when he does, it you know shit's going down. Shit happens. It ends an episode. That's how crazy it is when he picks up a gun. So, gentlemen, highs and lows of episode four? Mm. Mm. Okay, well, I'll start. I thought quickly. <laughs> yeah, you start. <laughs> um, Zartan's betrayal of Cobra is a major move. It's a major plot point, and it kind of sets up where we're going for the last episode. And yeah. incidentally, the conclusion of that is, I'm going to give the game away a bit, and I'm going to say it's mm. kind of my highlights of this entire series. So that's big. 
But a close runner-up would be Spirit and Storm Shadow facing off. Mm. And the conclusion of that is quite cool. Or the semi-conclusion. Well, okay. It concludes itself almost three times. Yeah. You've got them plunging into peril and giving up. And they're, they're going to die. But then, no, they escape. And there's a kind of a life debt that Storm Shadow lets Spirit believe he owes. Uh, well, and then he, he pays it off just to kind of, I don't know, maybe he's trying to curry favor with the Joes. Maybe he's trying to find an in for his ultimate defection. Maybe, maybe. Mm. But the real most intriguing part of this only plays out in the next episode. And so we'll get to that. But I've kind of already let that slip because Storm Shadow mm. realizes that he may lose today, but he lives to fight another day and he's going to get what he came to get, regardless. It's a hollow victory from Spirit. So those those are my two favorite moments of uh, this episode. My least favorite moment, Ice Sleds. <laughs> those damn toboggany things. Why, why, why? You've got battle bears. You could give the toys more exposure. I suppose the fear was that if the Joes get inside the glacier with the battle bears... Why would they need to be on ice skates? Yeah, exactly. They'd have you know, mechanized support. They'd be able to kick Cobra's tail and probably kick Sartan's tail as well. Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure Battle Bears would handle snow and ice a bit better than those motorbikes. No, definitely. I think so, too. A lot better. <laughs> I'm underestimating for effect. <laughs> Over to and- you guys. I really, really enjoy, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I really enjoyed Spirit and Storm Shadow's uh, conflict, and I really enjoyed how it was concluded. I also like the fact that um, the life debt is kind of paid quite quickly in the episode. A bunch of snow is about to land on, on poor Spirit, and Storm Shadow pushes him out of the way, and he's all like, Oh, life debt is repaid! But I like that that comes full circle. It's great. It caps off the act. We've had a Storm Shadow spirit thing going on in this miniseries and I like that it caps it off adds to the honor it's very cool I really love a roadblock face mask <laughs> on Cobra Commander um, it makes me laugh every time I see it I'm like yep take it it's so good boom in his you face mean face plant <laughs> well yeah bam in your face with these big roadblock hand bam low point in the series for me actually Aside from the sleds, which is uh, an obvious sort of one to pull, I don't like Roadblock and Duke's little gang handshake thing. I understand it's meant to be all cute, like, oh, you know, we're friends and we haven't seen each other in a while and blah, 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 kind of thing. But I don't like it. And and I think this is this is not the cartoon's fault because I would never know this. But I, I'm really – I'm quite positive that that is like the only episode of G.I. Joe John Chu's actually watched – and that's how he made retaliation. <laughs> because, my word. You know, there's that. Uh, Laser Snakes, yeah, they, they're also up there in my lows. But otherwise, I'm really happy with this episode. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff. And a toy commercial thing and, and a toy thing, I kind of really would love to. And this is something I've been bringing up in every show. I would have loved, and I'm pretty sure they could have done it, I would have loved a backpack motorbike for the Dreadnoughts. Watching the first time, I was like, where the hell did they get the motorbikes from? And then after a second and third watch, I was like, oh, okay, cool. They actually assembled them. But it could make sense. If they could make a motorbike for the back of the whale, you know, you could do something like that that you could assemble. And I think that would have been a cool little toy. Motorized action packs were still a few years off, but yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. We, we got those. I mean, there's even a tricycle. There is even the a G- tricycle. The G.I. Joe ATV. Yeah. What a beautiful vehicle it is. I know, right? What do you do with your legs? <laughs> Keep them up. But yeah, that's me. That's, uh... <laughs> this is hard work. <laughs> also like that it sets up the wild card that is Zartan. They've been playing him really well throughout most of the series as being kind of, oh, Zartan, we don't know who Zartan is. He's mysterious. Now we know why. Cause he's he's a, the know. evil master of disguise. Zartan changes color right before your eyes. Zartan. I couldn't have <laughs> said it better. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Over to you, Rob. Sure. My lowest moment of this episode was just the arena of sport and how that kind of all played out. 
with this gigantic laser. Yeah, it's like, what are they doing? Like, they just had to figure out some way of getting all of these doughs into the HQ. But, like, it's just the worst idea. (laughs) I don't like it. Put them in prison cells or something. Please. Uh, And my high is actually that entire ice hockey sequence, weirdly enough. Mm. Because I've... I've slowly, over the course of these four episodes, started to like just get into the fun of what the cartoon is, and uh, I, I think I'm starting to really turn off like being an adult and just get into the fun of it. And that was probably the, the funnest way that they could try and acquire this piece of the Will of the Dominator. I mean, at the island, they were just shooting at each other backwards and forwards, and at the Palace of Doom. It wasn't even about Cobra or G.I. Joe. It was about these two gigantic things attacking each other. And I really liked that. I thought it was really fun. And then also, you, you know, it, it also showed off Zartan coming in and kind of, you guys fight it out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this for myself. They were so busy shooting at each other that they just weren't getting anything done. And Zartan was like, yeah, I can, I can get this done. Michelle was watching the episode with me. For the listeners, that's my girlfriend. She pointed out with the uh, whole ice hockey thing. She's like, it's so crazy. Why are they shooting at it? And without even thinking too much about it, I actually replied, I mean, they don't really get to use their guns much. You know, you don't really see a lot of weapons use in the show other than them shooting in the air or shooting somewhere. You know, you don't ever really see, you don't get too much uh, feedback loop, you know, from when they're shooting, shooting something. So, mm. so I'm like, it's probably, that's probably what they did. They went, we don't have much stuff to blow up here so let's have something to shoot at and that was the sort of feedback loop the tangible side of the episode you know it's another part of that big words there was an actual result from them shooting at something instead of just the bolt yeah. being lasers of light just being special effects it was actually they shot at something you know there, there was a, an effect something happened yes. you know there's cause and effect they shot yeah. the laser it hit something and, and it caused something else to happen. Yeah. Well, normally, the lasers, basically, they're just for show. You know that no one is going to die or even get seriously hurt or harmed in any, any way, really. I mean, yeah. yeah, sometimes you get explosions, but those are often, you know, for, for just for show. But so here, there was an of, actual response. It's a case of the writers finding a creative way <laughs> to have an action sequence while still working within the limitations. Mm-hmm. Yes. And strictness and I, I, of a I really enjoyed that. And then definitely the, the whole sequence with Spirit and Storm Show was pretty cool as well. Okay. It just showed a different angle. You know, it wasn't just these two forces fighting each other. There was actually thinking going on there, and it had a different pace, you know, a different tone to a lot of the rest of that type of action that was going on so far. All that remains, gentlemen, star mm. ratings out of five. Mm. I think I'm going to give it 3.5. Boom. Mm. Is that your best rating so far? No? That would be on par with <laughs> episode one. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's back up there. For me, it raised the bar a little bit because all of the tension is now being stored. You know, Cobra's got a part. Joe's got a part. Zartan's got a part. What's going to happen? Is G.I. Joe going to survive this avalanche to, you know, stop Cobra in time? What's going to happen to the world? I give it four. Lots of great drama. Lots of things that I like about it. Enjoy the show. Enjoyed some of the lines. Great one for me. It actually brings the show up. For me, it's a level up. What you got to say, Robbie? What I got to say is I like your ratings, and I am also going to give it four stars. This is my favorite episode so far. It's fun... You know, it introduces new elements. It's not just Cobra and G.I. Joe. As we've all said so far, Zartan is doing something interesting and different. There's the different characterizations. It's not just fighting. There's this cool ice ice capade going on. <laughs> this was just all-out fun. Maybe it's just me, you know, adjusting to thinking about this stuff differently. But this was just all-around fun. Cool. One thing I'd just like to add before we close out the show it seems all four endings that we have observed place Joe in the peril of some natural event. Mm. Be it vines, a sandstorm, the earth opening up beneath your feet, or an avalanche coming down on top of you. So 
there's a clever little bit of subtext there that this is in fact the weather dominator miniseries. Yeah, and it's very thematic, which is cool. There are more dangerous things out there than terrorists with blue lasers. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, listeners. Very- tune in same time tomorrow for the exciting conclusion of the Revenge of Cobra. I know I'm looking forward to it. Are you guys revved? Cobra! (laughs) So ready for it. We got it. We got it. Don't worry. G.I. Joe, we must withdraw! (laughs) (laughs) Old Morgan laughing. Old Morgan. (laughs) Alright. Well, so long, guys. Hope you're enjoying this as much as we are. And don't forget to comment. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Podbean. We'd love to hear from you any way you want to get hold of us. Hell, if you want my address... You can snail mail me. Find us in our home. Sam. Take care. I want to meet you. (laughs) Goodbye. I do believe I pressed the right button, Roadblock. I believe so too, Hondaloo. Take them from behind! That's easy for you to say, sucker. Now shut up.